0: This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up
1: those mics and get on with this thing.
2: <clears throat> okay, so Carlos opens the door. What do I see?
1: Inside, you can see a familiar setup. Monitors, servers, new spec tech containment tanks, and even a quantum spectral analyzer. Six analysts turn to look at you. Each of them is wearing a new spec bodysuit and headset where the main monitor would have the the new spec tech logo. There is instead the symbol of a burning globe overlaid with some
0: sort of cartoon ghost. I thought we were the only groups with access to new gear,
1: yeah, another person steps out from the shadows uh you right you both recognize your former handler, uh Jacqueline Grove. Uh, they give Carlos and um, Ben a knowing smile before telling you, so glad you finally made it. I was hoping you'd see past new spec, foolish attempt to stop the rise of the supernatural. Director Jax is misguided and is spreading and is spending all of our resources on the wrong projects. But we have a better goal. We can use the supernatural to make things better. I've been trying to show you the folly of the old plan. You've met the things man was not meant to know. You've seen what they're capable of. Well,
2: that explains why the monorail gambit was such a disaster. Did you do all that from here?
1: (laughs) Not just here. Our mistress has several cells throughout the company. Jacks must be stopped, and a new order will be made. Won't you
0: join us? All right. Uh, Ben's going to look over at Carlos and unsnap the cover on his own holster. So you've allowed dozens of people to die. Uh, we're going to have to say no. But he picks straws a slug thrower. You know, this is seriously eroding my trust in our allies. So with that, welcome to the 476 episode of the Mister Mark podcast. Tonight, we'll discuss faction members as adversaries in your tabletop role-playing games. Along the way, we'll take your comments, examples, and suggestions live from the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil.
2: And I am old man Logan. Good evening, all, and welcome again. Let's do our temperature check, see how everybody's feeling. Phil?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I'm a little bit tired. I had to get up at 4.30 or 4 this morning uh, to take my son to school for his uh, class's senior prank, so I got they up. I got up. Um, they camped out and had like a uh, like a big camp party with like a b- bounce house and stuff outside the school as everybody was coming in. Okay, and then I think pelted the teachers' cars with water balloons and stuff um, while they were rolling in. All harmless fun. That's good. But anyway, I got up at four, went back to bed, went to bed like around uh 445 five got up again at 7 30. So I um I've just been napping in places to just kind of stave off the exhaustion and you know try to write this. But anyway, otherwise that physically I feel fine. I got a haircut today. Um I don't know if you guys had noticed, but my hair was like at pretty long. So I actually mentally feel better because I got my hair cut today. Like just feels like this feels like me kind of thing. So um yeah I don't know. I'm good. I think I'm good pretty much all around. Uh how about you, Bob?
2: Yeah, I'm a little tired too. Um, but I uh, didn't know kind of shenanigans like that. Um <laughs> just a little tired overall. Um mentally um uh, feeling pretty good. So, you know, not bad. Chilling, hanging in there, ready for a show. Jerry.
0: Feeling pretty good. Um a little sleepy. Uh just with the weather going up and down, it was really hot last night, so I didn't sleep as well as I'd like, but I still got a couple hours sleep, so I'm good to go today. I'm pumped up on caffeine, so let's go do this.
1: All righty, all righty. A couple announcements uh, just to roll in before uh, we get going. Uh, there is a bundle for Buffalo on Itch. Um, that bundle is to raise money um, for uh, charity based on, uh, you know, of surrounding, involving, etc. the mass shooting um, at the tops market here in Buffalo, uh, in may. Um, and the proceeds from the bundle will go to the Buffalo based, uh, black love resists in the rust. Um, so, uh, that, um, their goal is 10,000. They're at like 45, almost 46 right now. Uh, so we're just getting the word out to, um, we're just getting the word out to people. Um, you know, we're from Buffalo. So we're getting the word out to people to, um, back this, uh, back this bundle if you are able to so uh, we'll put a link um we'll put a link in the show notes for that
0: but it looks like like there's a bunch of good stuff in that bundle also like absolutely lists and Mm -hmm. cardstock and a bunch of others so but
1: honestly bundle for buffalo google it uh, it's on edge so uh, and then i just wanted to bring back up indomitable um this is the cortex supers game i think it's Mm -hmm. what is it lifted indomitable volume. volume one yep yes Anyway, um, so this one has got 15 days. It is like dead center in the middle of its, um, in the middle of its yep. run. And it is mm, just shy of 3000 from its goal. So it's a very reachable goal. Oh yeah. Um, it's very possible in 15 days to close that gap. So, uh, we're just throwing it out, uh, for the cortex love, uh, once again, throwing it out there for people. If, uh, if you are interested in supers and in cortex, um, then you might want to, you know, you might want to go pop on into that Kickstarter, check it out. We'll also include, um, we'll also include a link
0: in the show notes. Actually, back to that one already. I backed that one a while mm-hmm. back when it came out because I wanted to see um, they've got, they've got a just PDF version, which looks like it could be a nice little thing to learn more about Supers and Cortex because we're all loving some Cortex these days.
1: We are definitely all loving some Cortex. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yep. So, so yeah.
1: So anyway, I just wanted to, I just want to call attention to both of those. So okay, absolutely. Um. Excellent, excellent. Oh, okay. I think right. uh, I'm I'm up on the I'm up on the block, are. right? Give yep. me one second. Give me one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, go. A little sip of water. Do it. Workshop, workshop. We're cracking open the adversary files tonight. We are talking about factions. Who are they? What do they do in your game? How are they going to challenge your players? We're going to talk about it all here in the workshop.
0: And don't suck. suck. All right. All right. All right. So. Tonight we're going to get back into our adversary files, and tonight we're going to talk about factions. Because so far we've looked at individual adversaries, for example the Mastermind, or the Fanatic, or the Hive Mind, And while all of them have said followers of sorts, we want to look at factions as a type of adversary themselves. So tonight we're going to open the filing cabinet, and pull out the top secret folder containing information on the faction.
2: And of course we need Phil to start us off with what a faction is, and all of that definition-y type stuff. So, let's cue this bad boy.
1: Behold, you are in the presence of definition, Panda. Oh yeah, all right. Tonight for this episode, uh, we are going to use a very strict definition of faction. Um, as it turns out, faction gets kind of uh, tossed around uh, pretty casually, but um, I wanted to I wanted to be precise about this. I want to split hairs tonight because I think some of the things that um will not be included in this definition. So separating our definition will separate faction from things like gang and militia. Um, and and the reason we're doing that is because I think that gang and those kinds of things will make will also make good adversary files. So I don't want to just lump them in and be like, oh groups. Like too big of a paintbrush. We're going to use a finer point tonight. We're going to get into factions. And we're using the um we're using the definition um, the dictionary definition for faction, which is a small organized dissenting group within a larger one, especially politics, seems kind of apropos for you know <laughs> the world right now. But anyway, um, so again, small organized dissenting group within a larger one. Um, the mo- the most common version of the faction, especially as an adversary, is going to be um, something that TV tropes calls the renegade splinter faction. Um, kind of defined in our intro tonight, but also defined on TV Tropes as uh, basically a group who decides to start my own and separates from a larger organization, holding the main beliefs or goals of the original, but are wholly or mostly evil. Now, there are other types of factions and things like that, but when we talk about adversaries, um, most of the time we're talking about like something similar to the Renegade Splinter faction, which will you'll see as we talk about it tonight. Okay, to be a faction, we have to have a certain set of criteria. Um, those criteria um, start with, cherry.
0: Criteria include a small group. They can be a few people or even a larger group of individuals that's still smaller than the main group.
1: They need to be of a larger group. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be part of or have been part of a larger group that they are differentiating themselves from.
0: That would be leader or leadership. We're often led by somebody or a small group of leaders.
1: They have a differing ideology. The faction's ideology differs from the main group. That difference could be small, as in they both believe in law and order, but the faction has moved towards being vigilantes rather than being invested in justice. Um, The difference could be vast, as in the faction believes that war would be good to trim back the population, where the main group is really just trying to protect everybody.
0: They also have a reason. There's a reason they broke away from the parent. They believe that they're in the right. They believe that the parent organization is wrong. They believe it's misguided. They may believe in corruption or failing. They have a reason that they broke away.
1: They have differing methods. So based on their ideology, the faction does things different from the parent. Now, they could be secretive. They could be violent. They could be extremists. Could be any combination of those kinds of things.
0: They're going to have some sort of identifier. The members of the faction are going to be able to identify each other as well as a way to further separate themselves from the parent organization.
1: Hell, Hydra. Inside or outside, this faction may be operating, may still be operating within the parent organization, or they may have actually broken free and are operating outside of the parent organization.
0: That's going to be level of visibility. Uh, Depending on the game and the situation, the faction may be a total secret or they may be completely public. Um, they can be from the public, but they also might be secret from the parent organization. These don 't have to be the same. The faction could be visible to everybody. everybody knows the faction exists. The faction could be known by the public but not be known to the parent organization and it could be that that fa- that the uh, faction isn 't known by the public nor the parent organization.
1: Yeah, makes a match there
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, And lastly, and we put this I think in every adversary files, but it holds true here, um, there are they have goals and plans the faction broke away from the parent because of their ideology and they're pursuing their own goals and plans based on their ideology and their methods.
0: All right, so let's talk about a couple of example factions. Um, in movies, um, obviously, and this is spoiler for a, what eight-year-old movie, Hydra in the Witcher Soldier movie. Um, the Kree that follow Ronan in the Guardians of the Galaxy are a splinter group from the main Kree. Um, in the movie Swordfish, the black cell that Gabriel leads is a faction of the of the government, and if you're a fan of Star Trek, Section Thirty-One is a faction. I have a question: Would X Factor be a faction because they broke off from the X Men because of their ideology? They're not secret. Hmm. Are you talking about like all the way back to the '80s? Yeah, the actual X Factor, the, the original X Factor. I mean, what what split them up was a differing ideology on on things.
1: Yeah, you know. So, I, not to not to not to um, not to wander too far off topic, Bobble in If we do. So when X Factor, so when X Factor starts, the um, Angel and Iceman are like coming off of their time with the Defenders. Cyclops has been like kind of semi-retired, and then there's the discovery where they find Jean Grey. So I don't know exactly if it's like a faction um, in 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 the 80s, right? Like there are times later because that group has been um, destroyed, created. Yeah. like over and over they probably have been um it's an thought, interesting one i'm not 100 percent sure
0: how i would call off, it off the looks i i'm could be wrong on this too i thought they formed because they were divided on magneto being part of the x-men
1: Oh, well, they definitely don't like magneto's part of the x-men but it's um cameron hodge who um was working for angel who's like hey if you're thinking about getting the band back together like consider this idea and then it turns out cameron hodge is like terrible and unto himself Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay um back to back to role-playing games so if we're looking at factions and role-playing games uh delta green is pretty much a game of playing a faction you uh um, are playing a faction within the government, fighting Cthulhu and all of its horrors, um, which is actually pretty close to um, Aegis from Conspiracy X, a game near and dear to Bob's in my heart. Um, Aegis is a faction that operates within the government, um, hidden from the government. And then there is its enemy, which is also another faction called the Black Book. Um, the various sects of Kindred in Vampire, they are all part of the Camarilla but each of those families is basically a faction um, fighting amongst themselves. Um, and then you guys had think had noted the PCs in, N, in NBA. I think that might, to some I extent, think, maybe you are a faction. Like you are think, basically think, broken think, off from your
0: parent organizations. I think depending on the game. I think because I think some of the other campaign ideas are that you're secretly like you're on the run from your own organizations because the yeah. the vampires might be involved in things with the dracula dossier and stuff like that
1: it's definitely possible in nba yeah. to play yeah. a faction like a rogue faction kind of thing i think in our game you're not really a faction by the time we start you guys are kind of independent operators um yeah but yeah um but anyway those are some those are some of our examples from movies from role-playing games and i'm sure people have other um cool. when we mentioned factions other ideas that pop into their head as well i i mean I don't know. I'm trying to think if Treadstone counts as a faction, but it's really a project in the CIA. Like, but it I definitely, mean, definitely starts operating like...
2: Treadstone to be a project being run by a faction of the CIA mm-hmm. because there they're not go. all on the same page with the, with the overall.
0: Yeah, they're definitely not right. Treadstone yeah. being the, the enemies in the, the born identity series. So, yes.
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay. Cool. So Jerry, why would someone want to use a faction in their game? well, The main appeal is going to be that as an adversary, uh, they have an interesting ideology and methods. What we mean by that is they broke away from the parent corporation or organization to do things differently. And often that differently is going to be dangerous or criminal.
1: Yeah. Um, You could have a faction of vigilantes who broke away from their neighborhood watch, right? Because they want to deal out justice and protect their neighborhood.
0: Yep. Another appeal is going to be the secrecy of the faction and the fact that they're often operating in the shadows
1: right? This is part of the shadow world idea, right? This is like, this is like my, like hundred percent, my jam, right? I love shadow world stuff. Um, the idea of the shadow world is that um, there are shadows within the world where um, there is another world at play, right? That we are the average rank and file person is completely unaware of. Right. And these like secret groups are having these secret conflicts all through the background. Um, and, you know, What we see of it winds up being like weird news reports or mysterious things closing, things like that. This is like the appeal of Delta Green and Conspiracy X, right? The secret world kind of thing that you are um, your character because you're part of this faction has been set apart from the world. um, And now you have to kind of live like like inside this shadow world.
0: Right. Next, a faction can be dangerous because it's organized and because it believes what it's doing is for some greater good. Even if they're misguided. In addition, factors, factions really consider themselves to be evil, and more often believe they have no choice in order to preserve something that they believe in. You know, you know, we're the only ones doing this, and our ends justify our means. So, this is what makes them a good adversary because they're committed, and they're often willing to do things that others will not do. It kind of puts yeah. them. Um, it kind
1: of puts them in the same bracket with the fanatic, yeah. right? We talked about the fanatic true. many, many um, episodes ago. But the fanatic's the same kind of thing, right? The fanatic often considers themselves um, the good guy and that um, they're, they, they're the only ones who are capable of doing the things that people won't do.
2: Yeah. Okay, so we know what makes up a faction and why they're appealing. Phil, what are they like as an opposition?
1: Sure. Faction as an opposition is, um, they're great, right? The faction is a good mid to long range adversary um, because they're a group. They are going to be able to survive multiple encounters with the characters, right? Um, while you can use them for one shots and it's totally fine if you have like some faction that you throw in a world in a one shot. Um, I actually think that they just work better when they can come back and make multiple appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, when you create a faction for your game, they should have an initial goal, right? They're there to do something when the characters first run into them. Uh, it doesn't have to be their final goal, right? But factions are always working towards something. So when you introduce them, have a goal in mind. Like maybe they're trying to steal um, a particular element, right, from a um, research facility. Um, and that's their immediate goal when the players cross paths with them. It ultimately plays into a larger goal because they're like building some device that this element is going to be part of, right? And you can you don't have to have that final goal um, in mind. You can just start with the initial goal. Okay. Um, Cool. So you also need to determine how visible your faction is and who and whom they're visible to, right? This will guide you into what kind of encounters you can have, um, what, you know, like what kind of help they get, what kind of help they don't have, those kinds of things. Um, Visibility is going to be just one of those things you kind of need to set initially for your faction so that you know how to treat them. Now, beyond that, um, here are some more general
0: tips for running good factions. First of all, in no particular order, factions often have allies. They'll have allies in the forms of other factions, or they may even have allies within the parent organization that they came from. Uh, in the former, this is going to mean that they can get help from other factions who may cooperate in certain objectives, but it also means a character could find factions that will ally with them as well. Now, in the second case, uh, where they have allies within their parent organization, this might mean they can drop on resources of its parent, including intelligence, plans, etc. Um, this could cause real problems for the for the players. They might even have unknowing allies who are simply supplying them because they're part of their parent organization and don't know any better.
1: Yeah, and that again has to do with everything with visibility, right? Because if they're mm-hmm. still in bed, if they're still inside the parent organization and the parent organization doesn't know, for all they know, all the all those resources are secretly being funneled into that mm-hmm. faction. Uh, factions can be story arcs. Um, we've talked about this before in other adversary files, but there is a natural arc of some inciting incident where you run into the faction, discovering their organization, discovering their plans and goals, and then ultimately confronting them. Um, when you use it this way, they make a great story arc or even like they could even be blown out to a full campaign arc. Um, like they they'll scale up for either one of those, depending on how, uh, big you want to make their plans and how big you make that
0: organization. Things can be established right from the start of the game um, because they're easy groups of bad guys for your game. You establish them in your setting and then set them up as the campaign's main opposition, and they can come again and again and again. Um, gives you a chance to do repetition. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, factions are a good shorthand in complex situations, right? Because yeah. factions are groups, they are an easy way to create buckets of people who have a group identity Uh, that you can then attach labels to, to make it easier for players to keep track of. Like, this is why like in vampire um, it's super easy uh, to get a rough handle on a vampire. As soon as you say where they're from or like what, what lineage they are, right? Like, ah, you know, that is a bruja. Like that says something about Mm -hmm. that. says something about that vampire before you even get into um, their personality, you know, anything else, just, makes it super easy to kind of create buckets, like simple high-level buckets.
0: Factions, excuse me, are a good way to have both mobs and individual adversaries. Because factions are groups, so they make great source for mobs and other moves you can just throw at your players. But in addition, they can have more notable members. They can be fully detailed NPCs. Um, these mini-bosses are also good because if the party manages to defeat or kill them before the GM was planning, it's easy to just move another faction member in to be the real boss. And that's going to lead to...
1: Factions can be led by other adversaries. So we've detailed several we've detailed several previous adversaries in our files, who would make good leaders of a faction, right? The mastermind and the fanatic are two great uh, potential leaders. So um, you can always have an adversary NPC be the leader of the leader. Um, I'm sorry, be the leader, and then the faction as a separate adversary be their minion. Right, because in a lot of in the other ones when we talked about, Mastermind and Fanatic, we talked about them having groups that helped them advance their goals. The adversary, the faction in this case, could be that group.
2: Excellent. All right,
0: before we hit the break, Jerry, tell us how factions work as allies. Hey, okay. factions can be great allies for your player characters, because depending on what the faction's parent is and if the faction's operating inside or outside, they're going to be able to ride many different things. For example, a faction that's operating inside of the big bad evil organization can provide a lot of information about what the big bad organization is actually doing now as an ally the faction can provide support in terms of members logistics materials and even intelligence obviously this is going to depend a lot on who they are and what they do but they're going to be allies because their ideology has some alignment with the players it doesn't have to be a complete alignment and the faction can be more radical than the players making them a somewhat dangerous ally sure um you know think about uh you know any number of superhero groups you've got it's the difference between spider-man teaming up with somebody like frogman and and spider-man teaming up with the punisher they're going to have very different ideologies
1: yeah um i was just thinking of um an ally faction this will only be for our 80s kids in the room um but the fifth column in v the mini series yes is yeah. the um group of aliens the group of visitors that are pro-human um mm-hmm. and their leader martin um is the one who helps uh donovan oh man i can't believe i remember all that like yep. <laughs> I, lo- I love that mini series like we could get lost on that miniseries later um yeah. that wasn't was some that, good shit
0: wasn't wasn't the one of the the, the main insiders um robert england yeah.
1: Uh he wasn't yeah, so he was all right, so yes, he was not to get too far off track and Bob will hit me yeah. with a stick if I do. Um yeah. so he becomes part of the fifth column, but when the story opens, he's actually just a um technician. Yeah. That um like he he's just like a like a grunt technician that like goes to um eat at this place that's part of the resist that becomes part of the resistance. Uh, Martin is the um Martin's like a, a higher level officer like on board the ship and he's like donovan's friend he's the one who i think helps sneak donovan out when he gets captured yep Woo. Yeah. Right. all <laughs> right get back on topic yep. um yes talk about all right. factions as allies in terms of um who supports the characters right could be that the whole faction is supporting the characters um or it could just be a member of the of a faction right like the whole faction doesn't have to be on board um with the with the player characters um why that's important is it will determine how much help they can muster if the whole faction is on board with the um player characters like a religious sect is on board with supporting the characters then there's a lot of resources they can bring to bear but if it's like one cleric within the faction is like supporting the um player's They can only, like, they're not going to be able to bring as much to bear, right? They'll be able to bring some stuff. Mm -hmm. So that'll just give you a feel of, like, scale of how much help they can provide.
0: Factions who are allies are going to expect some sort of level of reciprocation for the characters in support of their goals, which can cause complications and drama because they may ask the characters to do something to help them to advance their goals. And this may or may not be something the player characters want to do. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And that goes back to, um, and that goes back to what you were saying based on um, their ideology, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it could be that, you know, their ideology is fairly well aligned and it's like, Hey, we need some help. And the players are like, the characters are like, yeah, sure. We can help you. Um, or it could be like, Hey, look, we've been funneling you stuff. We need you to go blow this thing up for us. Yep. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, we don't blow things up, but yeah, well you do, if you want more help. Right. Yeah. Um Becomes. So that can become a, um, that can become great friction for your ally is um, their methods are more extreme. Maybe it's, um, or maybe their methods are less extreme. That is also a great place of fiction. Like your Mm -hmm. religious sect that is like bound, like that that is going to help your characters um, is great, but they are a pacifist order, right? Like they don't want you to fight a certain conflict um and rather find a like non violent way to help solve a problem that they need help with um could be a fun adventure <laughs> like hey the thieves guild is leaning on us and the player and the player characters are like yeah no problem as they're sharpening all their weapons and the orders like no no that is not our ways like we need you to deal with them but you cannot draw blood like upon them
0: I no, I they, I by a poison?
1: no i have bleed by accident <laughs> what if they fell onto my sword like what if i mean what if a guy fell down the stairs
2: 37 times right. I mean, I mean, let's fa- i mean
0: let's face it that's why medieval monks carried clubs and maces because so they didn't draw blood correct
1: yes well of right. course that that's exactly what you're going to be up against when you try <laughs> this right the players right. will be like i don't know can we do subdual damage can we you know can we just you know can we hit them with um Cloud kill. Cloud, you know, that's that's not blood. I mean, Fire. fireball does Fire
2: really, you know, like you know, you burn the outside,
1: you know, a little crisp. You are all well, monsters. That is what I'm telling you. You know people, what I meant. People burn, you know. You know what I meant.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. You ever Wrap go to that up. bar
1: in rote, Bob? Yeah, I've never been to Rote. Never been to Rote. All right. Um all right. We're moving fast tonight, but that is our high level look at factions. Right. We're going to take a break, check in with the chat room, um, probably have a little side banter because we are running ahead of schedule tonight. Yes. yes. Um, so we'll do a little bit of that. But before we do any of that, Bob, tell us about another show on the Mistracted Mark Network.
2: Yeah. So we've got a we've got a little show called the Gnome Cast because, you know, we're allied with those Gnome Stew folks. So a bunch of gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves. And it's all in an effort to entertain you, the listener. And also to, to avoid being thrown in the stew pot, because nobody wants that. Uh, so give them a listen, and you know, maybe drop a note in the comments and say, "Hey, you know, these guys are good. Don't, uh, don't, don't throw them in the pot. Let them go for another month." Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Chat room. Yeah. The queen is like, I had
1: a schedule. What world is this? What kind of shenanigans that we're running early? <laughs> I mean, the adversary files are very straightforward. Um, yes. It's a very straightforward structure. Like we can, we're actually able to move through that one pretty quickly as opposed to like yeah. a, our deeper, more academic dives onto like different, um, onto different subjects. So
2: plus we yeah. can expound a little more in the, in the round table section too, with more
1: anecdotes and stuff. Yeah, about it the, could be a little more chatty, chatty. I'm okay so. with that as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to think if there was any, like, I suspect um our youngins have never seen uh, V um, which um, I as a um, that's true. <laughs> as a teenager, as a young man, I think I was a middle schooler when that show came out. Like I thought that was just the coolest thing. Like it's funny because I like watched it with my parents and they were like, Oh, that's an obvious ripoff of Nazis. And I'm like, what? Like, no, no, space aliens. Like I <laughs> like oh, Like I was in middle there. school. Like, what did I didn't know, right? So yeah. like but you know, like I—I I mean, I was just excited because a sci-fi thing was the mini series on yeah. network television. Like before yep. that, the only um, other mini series were like, um, like adult stuff, like Civil yeah. War, Lighty like Dramas you know,
0: The Day After.
1: No, the, the Day After that was, was I, Day After. I think might have been After V, but yes. Okay, I actually liked The Day After too. But like that was no, um, but that
0: was very adult, though. I mean. That was very adult. Um,
1: yeah, it was intense. I'm
0: not it saying was, it was bad, I'm just saying it was not it was not high-spirited good good, oh, good clean fun. hardly.
1: Hardly, yeah. right? The day <laughs> after was the day after is like, you know, if you want to know why Gen Xers are mm-hmm. mostly fucked up, it's because like we all sat and watched that on TV. I'll and give I, you a I, challenge though. I said th- good, good. If yeah. you remember The Day After, do you remember America with yes, a K?
0: With a K? Yes. Uh, you you, do, you don't you weren't here at the time because when America with a K was on one of the local news stations did a, uh, oh, God, it was WKBW, I think, um, with their morning zoo. Every morning had a sketch about Buffalo, Buffaco with a K, and they did a whole sketch for like three weeks on the radio that when my parents would turn on. I think it was the Dan Nevereth show. Oh, um, man. Dan Probably. Nevreth, wow. Yeah. And you would just hear Buff- Buffaco with a K, and it was a running joke. So I remember America with a K which was kind of like if Red Dawn won.
1: <laughs> yes, that's exactly yeah. what it was. It was Red Dawn. It was it was what if the Russians uh, had occupied America? By the way, again, if you're wondering why your Gen X friends are like such disasters, um, none of us actually thought we were going to have a future. Like we were um, we were honestly just convinced that um, it was just going to all end in a mushroom cloud or some sort of occupation, yeah. you know, live in the woods yeah, um, like Wolverines kind of thing. Now, the um, thing.
0: The thing about V that I thought was interesting was it, and it probably wasn't the first show to do this, but it was one of the first mainstream shows to have the, um, you know, here are the benign individuals who are coming to give us everything, and they've got some secret, and you don't know what that secret is for a while, until you finally see the first reveal when. I think it's Jane Batter decides to, to eat, eat something live. Yep. Uh, yep. And uh, it just goes on from there. And.
1: Uh, oh, it's it worth, was. you know, it's worth now explaining this to our younger folk. Okay. Yeah. So V, the, V, the miniseries um, is the, a show. the original one.
0: The they original redated, one. They redid it a couple. about. A well, no, there's
1: a second part. There's the V, the final battle. And then there is the terrible V television series. Yeah. Um, there are like, oh, and then there's, and then way later, ABC does a version of V. Um, in the 2000s so in yeah. the 80s v yeah. the visitors are a group of aliens they look human they come to earth they're like hey look at you guys being all you know yourselves like hey we're bringing you like cures for cancer and diseases and all this stuff and uh everything at first seems kind of cool with them but then slowly like it doesn't like things don't seem right and this investigative reporter named donovan um discovers that they one aren't actually human they're reptilian they're just wearing um, fake masks as not to scare humans um, and Donovan catches one of them eating a rat like their jaw unhinges like a snake and they eat a rat but they're really here to uh, empty the planet of water and box up the humans like happy meals for future snacks yes. um, and then thus begins the um, resistance that then fights against um, the aliens and there's like a um, there's like a one-week miniseries And that does not resolve the story. It just stops. And then you have to wait for another miniseries like a year or so later where V, the final battle uh, takes place that kind of brings to resolution uh, the conflict between the resistance and the aliens. And then that spun off a TV show and the TV show. And trust it me, even eighth grade Phil couldn't take it the yeah, TV it show. Mostly yeah. The,
0: the, the original move the original miniseries ends with the main character escaping off the main ship and stealing uh stealing a, a an alien spaceship. Yes. And pretty much that's you know, he escapes, makes it to Earth with uh, a couple of escapees and one of the aliens as an ally. And that's the end of the first series. You're like, okay, he's alive and he's Doing something, but that's it. Like Earth is still doomed at that point. Yeah, huh.
1: yeah. And then you're like, you got to just wait. Mm-hmm. Um, did you I just gotta wait until there was the going to be miniseries another
2: miniseries? I I think that that was in doubt. I don't I don't know if they ever came right out and said, oh, by the way, we're working on a sequel. Like I don't
0: think oh, that I, happened. I, I don't think they did. No, because one because one of the subplots was that um, that the resistance that was in the, the 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 visitors was also talking about the fact that like part of the reason that they came to earth to get water is that there's a threat that's threatening the visitors out there and that was that was one of the rumored like down the line was going to be what happens when they come to earth are they going to help us or are they going to be even, even bigger threat than the visitors are um yes. there was a whole bunch of i mean it was plots within plots within plots and it was it was 80s network tv melodrama um, I it was it was fun though. I tried to make a role playing game
1: out of it when I was a kid. Like I tried so hard to like make stats and classes and like oh it was so it was really tragic. Like it was some very bad design work, but like
0: I tried so hard
1: to to make one of to make this game as a kid.
0: It was was, but it was fun. I mean like I said, it was the thing that people today might not quite grasp is that. You know, this is back when there were like, if you lived in Buffalo, you had three network stations, two UHF stations, and then the Canadian stations, which were often just uh, scrambled versions of the American network stations. They had some Canadian content. So when something like V was on as a miniseries, that's all anybody had. You know, you had that that or you had whatever was on the other two network stations. And that was it. That's Um, it. Yeah. And, and now, so when something like that came out, it was pretty impressive. Now, um, I will
1: say that um, while the miniseries into the show like did not work, it wasn't very good. Um, and there were a few novels. They weren't bad. I will tell you about a. I will mention briefly before we jump back into our segment. I will mention a movie from the late 80s and, a, and its spin-off TV show in the early 90s that was excellent. i think bob's already smiling he already knows what it is is it the one that is
0: is it the one that is similar to v uh yes it is it's alienation yes Yes. oh my god alienation the movie and
1: alienation the tv series are fantastic yes yeah yes which could also be another cool um role-playing
0: game Yeah. yeah Um, anyway i won't i won't
1: i won't even go deep into that one we'll save that for maybe the after show but uh alien nation oh gosh what a good that was a um that was a treat man like when that tv show came on i was like oh it's gonna be like v and then like the first couple episodes came out i was like take it all back take it all back this is great but at least v was definitely
2: appropriate for tonight because there were multiple factions in the aliens oh look at you bringing it back Yep. Good job, there good you job. go. All right. <laughs> Welcome back. We're going to continue our talk about factions in the round table. Everybody's favorite segment. I know I can tell. I can mm-hmm. feel it. What's the first question, Phil? First
1: question. Discuss a faction that you have enjoyed that has come up in one of the games
0: you have run or played. All right. This is actually a faction. This is a, a, a long, we've got some time. So let's take a second. When I was running V and V, there was a group called light ray. Um, and they started as part of the Government uh, Association for Superheroics, which was Gash. Um, and they were supposed to be um, studying and training supernormals. So they were kind of the—they um, were kind of a combination of Shield and um, Freedom Force in Marvel. So they were a government group that was out there. Basically, if you wanted to be a sanctioned superhero, you had to join Gash or at least sign up with them. But they would surveil you with stuff like unstable molecules, and it was a good. They were a resource for the heroes to get the little stuff that you needed to be a superhero in a game, you know, to keep things going. Um, and at the time, uh, my friend Tim Bowen, who I know you guys have met a couple times, was also running uh, a VNV and v and sometimes Marvel. We would flip back and forth campaigns um, where he had this organization called Light Ray that I was part of and we kind of formed it and all that. And as things went on, um, we began to play and, and there were little things that came in. He would run them for a while, then I would run them for a while. And what eventually came out was that Light Ray was actually a secondary organization inside of Gash that was funneling uh, funds, and what they were really doing was snapping up neophyte uh, supernormals and training them to be basically assassins and other groups and were slowly but surely just uh, organizing themselves to... Not only take over the government but also wipe out opposing superhero teams and some of the NPC teams that were in in the works that the players would hear about all of a sudden this NPC team would just disappear and in my main vnV campaign um, year two it took the players the better part of a year to realize that it wasn't one of the other like enemy villain teams it was actually the government that they were helping and even the government didn't know that lightray had like recruited two or three of them brainwashed them and changed their identities and just wiped out the rest. Um, and this became an ongoing thing where light ray was like the public, the public face. It would basically be like, if the Avengers of the justice league, the Avengers would be a better one. Cause the Avengers in the Marvel, Marvel cinematic universe had ties to shield is if the Avengers were actually like going around slowly recruiting villains and wiping out anybody who opposed them. And yeah, um, it made for a really good game. And of course, once they finally showed their, 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 uh, faces it was interesting because they had superhero they had super villains they had like government troops they had powered armors they had a lot of information but not all of it on the characters and um and then they became a recurring villain in multiple campaigns they were never the main adversary um uh, it was also fun because the leader of light ray was the younger brother of one of the one of the player characters so that got to be a lot of family strife and all that kind of stuff um, and i've talked about this before but the light ray plot involved all those times that i ran scenarios based on Al yankovic songs so mm. that just is another thing entirely right i needed a plot tonight and i just played a song and based an adventure around it uh, Weird Al and cheap trick designed a lot of the indie games anyway they worked really well because they were in, in secret for a while and once the players found out who they were they had no way of exposing them and so the players had to kind of play things close to the vest for a while so that was my cool. that was my faction. That I think had the most fun running as a secretive group that came out. Um, Bob,
2: cool. So I really enjoyed an organization called the Curved Daggers in our Iron Heroes campaign. Um, these guys were um, trained killers and assassins, um, and under under the the old Empire. And when the Empire fell and the Demon King rose to power, they split. One group went and followed the Demon King, called themselves the Evan Blades. And then the curved daggers went on with the with the with the original name, and uh, and they they opposed each other at every turn, every chance they could get. And when our campaign started, and we discovered the 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 powers that be discovered that one of the PCs was actually the heir to the throne, um, then the curved daggers were then tasked with protecting this uh, this would be king to make sure that you know nothing would happen to him. Um, so we had that whole arc, a um, lot of fun with those, uh, with those two factions. Good
1: times. Yeah. Known as the curved daggers because um, it was their, sig- it was their calling card. Yep. Um, they would, they would kill somebody um, and then leave a curved dagger on the body um, as a way to let people know that the empire had exerted um, its mm-hmm. will. Um, I think if I remember correctly, when I made up the history for them, there was a rebel warlord or something um that had barricaded himself in and he thought he was like untouchable or whatever yeah. and the curved daggers like they they eventually they they opened the door one morning to find this guy dead and there's a curved dagger in his body letting him letting these letting these um rebels know that there was like nowhere that the empire couldn't reach them kind of yep. thing and yeah they were fun if
2: you if you uh if you uh did something that uh, that. Uh, warranted it you'd be presented with a curved dagger as a gift which was basically you're like you've got probably like maybe oh 24 hours and then you're going to be dead so you settle know, your settle affairs your affairs
1: <laughs> right settle settle your affairs make your you know make your peace make your peace yep. with the with you know with the gods and uh yes the curved daggers are coming for you Totally yeah they were fun and, high. Um, and they were you know they were everything yeah. you wanted your fantasy ninja kind of um sure faction to be mysterious disappear show up out of shadows all that shit um good times. yeah it was good times um the one i picked um because it's current is um the nova from our ox game uh so the thing that's interesting and i have to be careful because bob and jerry only know <laughs> so much about what's going on in the game <laughs> yeah. um but what's interesting about this faction is that Um, They are based on a faction that is 10,000 years old. And like any game of uh, telephone, probably not everything is understood correctly. Like they believe they're a faction, um, but they derive from a much um, from an original faction called Nova of which... um, I think you guys just got your first clues about what they were about. And I don't even think it's completely clear yet. No, it's not. (laughs) Right. But the Nova, like, the Nova represent an interesting faction. But what I really like in our game is that um, the current group of Nova is like Bob's brother and a handful of terrorists. And um, riding around on a stolen ship. Handful of
0: terrorists with ties to Chris's character. Yes,
1: Yes, with ties yeah. to Chris's character, yeah. riding around on a stolen ship that is somewhat like, but somewhat different than Ox, your ship. Um, and you have enough, ev- like you found evidence that says that Ox actually trapped that ship in your star system mm-hmm. 10,000 years ago and is probably responsible for why it crashed um, yeah. as well as why she crashed. Um, but what I like about it is it, it it's this interesting opportunity Um like you guys are in this place where 10,000 years have passed since all this stuff happened and nobody really knows, like nobody knows the truth. It's been 10,000 years. There is information from both sides and it's not clear yet. Um, are the Nova like, you know, mustache twit twirly bad guys. Are they misguided? Um, are you the good guys? <laughs> Like, I think there was a moment in the game where you guys were kind of starting to wonder, like, are we like, are we back in the bad guys? Um, and the thing I can say about it is from a campaign perspective, I don't actually have a prescribed answer. I have information, but I think it'll be up to you guys to make the decision about well, good.
0: I never thought that we were the bad guys.
1: I think no, were... you're not that you're not the bad guys. Yeah. Um you guys are clearly good. That's a campaign conceit, right? Like you yeah. guys are always the good guys, but you've kind of been like the no. like you've kind of, your position has been like the Novas, kind of the bad guys, which yeah. would put you in line with the builders. But I don't like, I don't think you guys know enough to know what the builders were really up to.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that the, the builders were definitely doing something, but I don't know that it was. Um, I don't know that, that they're. Plans are exactly what we initially saw them to be yeah. um I, I don't i i at least i haven't seen any evidence that they were um that that the builders were malevolent um they definitely i just think that they were at times um how do you want to say they were amoral because even the things they did seemed to be helpful to the species that they were working with i just think sometimes they were careless about their their abilities and what okay. they did um, right now, some of the, we generally yeah.
2: believe that they were acting altruistically. Yeah, whether or not that's a hundred percent true, we don't know yet.
0: I mean, yeah,
1: I think it's that's I think that's a fair assessment. And and it's yeah. been ten thousand years, so like, how important is that? And then yeah. the other half of that is like, what did you know? What did your brother find that yeah. has set him like on this opposite, somewhat opposite path?
2: Right? Yeah. Clearly, he thinks he's doing something.
1: He also important. thinks he's right because the message he left for you mm-hmm. said that you've got it all wrong. Yeah. So surprise. Surprise. Yeah. It's um it's cool. Um but yeah, the thing I like about it is just I like the idea of um how do you build a faction based on a bunch of like um relics that you find with no one to correct you. Um well, I can make a lot of parallels to that, right? <laughs> it's got Religion written all over it, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, the Novas are, um, I'm kind of digging the Novas, and uh, you guys have only had like one brush with them, but um, your next brush with them is uh, getting closer, I think you guys are making a push to try to find them, so we're, a, a, a confrontation is likely um, looming. Cool. Cool, cool. All
0: right, question two. All right, what's the thing you love about factions in your game, either ones that you've run or ones that you've played?
2: So I love the fact that when you're dealing with a faction, it's not just one adversary, right? So it's not like you know just mm-hmm. the, you got know, one one villain. You've got a bunch of people. They're all like minded. Um, you don't necessarily know who's part of them. You know if they're like a secret organization, the guy standing next to you on the street corner could be one of them. You don't know. So there's a there's a lot at play when you're dealing with a faction, um, and and they can be very uh, Uh, very fun to to try and suss out what's going on and what they're doing so i like the i like the volume aspect of it that's what that's what i dig
1: um i'm a big fan of conspiracy stuff i think people know that right i love conspiracy stuff so uh anytime i can create a faction inside an existing organization um that is always fun for me right like just all the parts of um you know, how does this group operate under, you know, within the group and what do they do? What access do they have? Like, when's it going to become visible to the players? When does it become visible to anyone else? Um, I love, I just love (laughs) conspiracy stuff. Um, So uh, yeah, I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with that. We, um, I don't think we ever got far enough into our previous NBA game had a faction of vampires. There were actually, there were actually, two sets of vampires in that game we
2: got far enough to know that there were two different groups yeah yeah
1: yeah but i love like i love anything with conspiracies so um i will i will always make a faction that goes um that's like operating secretly inside of it um sometimes like you know we talked about sometimes i'll make it right from the get-go sometimes i will just make it in between adventures because i'm like oh the players need like a (laughs) like the players are in a jam like who could help them? Oh, a faction from inside this organization could like secret like show up and you'd be like, hey, you know, we're opening this door. Get the hell out of here. You know, we believe what you're doing, but we can't, you know, can't support you any further. Kind of thing. Like, it becomes a cool plot tool as well. And it's not hard to imagine, right? Like, given a given an organization of any sufficient size, like factions start to create themselves within it. It's like just the nature mm-hmm. of. Organizations, like look at any like look at any major company, right? Like factions naturally form inside um, companies and things like that. So it's not hard to imagine, um, given any like given any sizable group, like a planetary government or whatever, that there aren't going to be factions. So that's kind of my jam. Cool
0: for me. Um, I like that they make not only good adversaries but also good backstories. Um, having the play, having a player be part of a faction or Having left a faction makes for a lot of interesting uh, backstory because it gives them uh, an instant enemy, either the faction or the group that the faction worked for or both. Um, And uh, this obviously works better if they're an evil version of a good organization, um, because if you've got, um, you know, uh, an organization that the players are allied with and inside that organization is an evil version of it, this allows you to have um, decent adversaries and decent foils Uh, that can challenge the party because they're going to often have the same sorts of skills and abilities and like. Um, Plus, any sort of time you have a faction, it's going to help to fuel and justify all those conspiracy theories that your players come up with for why things are happening. Um, You can even use those conspiracy theories to further your faction. You know, they think something's going on because of X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe it is. Um, And that helps to to keep the story going. So I, I like factions in games for that reason. Nice.
2: Oh. All right, question 3. What is a challenge you have when running or playing with a hostile faction in your game?
1: Yeah, for me it's like not letting that faction become the only opposition in the game. Like factions are fun um and they're cool and if and if I didn't if I didn't make the faction out to be the big bad guy from the beginning, then like my big challenge is to not overuse them. Like give them a break, let them lay low have them resurface later kind of thing. Otherwise what happens is I kind of just get into the faction and then I just keep putting them into the story, into the story. And then suddenly our game is really about like the players versus the faction. And so like to resist that temptation, like I need to, like I need to, in terms of like beat structure, I need to know like when to give it a break, like, cool, we're going to do this thing with a faction. Then boom, I want to take a break and I want to, um, I want to take a break and go do like a completely different either arc or I want to do a story or two that has nothing to do with the faction. Um, and even better, if I, you know, have the discipline to do that, um, then the players relax on it, right? Like the the faction kind of drifts into the background and then I can be like, well, bam, yeah, right. Like return of the faction, right? Like, um, and which is great because, you know players love callbacks, right? Players love when things come back um in a game because again, it's one of those um structures that kind of reminds us that we are in a campaign. So yeah, when I come up with a cool faction, I gotta really make sure um it doesn't dominate the the whole plot. And then even if the game starts with that faction in the game and like at the get-go, like I still gotta create some beats where we do something different. Now. I'll put an asterisk to that because the difference is in NBA, that is not the case, right? In NBA, there is not, like, you guys are not doing other jobs. Like, yeah. and part of that is because the stakes for how we started the NBA game um, and what you've learned along the way is, like, there's no way you would take another job right now. No. Like, there's a lot on the line, and it'd be like, oh, do you want to take, like, you know, four months, and we'll do a story about, you know, um, weapons dealers like somewhere like hell no you won't so i'm very okay with nba being like um like a really long movie like you've discovered some shit and we're just going to play through until we get to its logical conclusion kind of thing cool. but yeah like um like i know when i ran Connex, i loved the black book like mm-hmm. i wanted to put the black book in everything and after a <laughs> while it was like all right i got to i, I got to ease up like I got to like do some black book stuff and then in a very Chris Carter kind of way like I got to just do some monster of the week <clears throat> shit here. Like I got to just put like some weird cryptozoological thing um in the player's path and like you know let them mess around with it or whatever or do something else.
2: If you if you just keep riding the friggin faction the whole way, they eventually you're just going to blow the transaction transaxle. Then you're just grinding metal and there's no
1: point. Yeah. It's like that's that's exactly what I was thinking. No, I, I mean, you're right. It, it's, I mean, the point is like, it becomes like a single note on a keyboard, right? You just, yep. if if I just keep pressing the note at first, it's okay. But after a while, you're like, oh my God, just stop pressing the button. Um, and, and that's like, for me, that's the thing with factions, especially if I start to really get into them. And especially if they're like a conspiracy, like the black book was, then I like want to mess with it constantly. So yeah, that's yep. that's definitely my challenge, right? My challenge is to know how to, um, know when to back them off beat wise.
0: And you can, you can get to that problem with any recurring villain that happens too often. Um, you know, you can get to the point the players are, are getting a little uh, frustrated by what's going on or the fact they're constantly dealing with the same enemies over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, well, you, and you, you run the it. risk, you know,
1: yeah. you bring up a good point. You run the risk. Like if you have overused them, all of a sudden the players become um, disinterested in anything but wiping that faction out, right? And now you're like, oh, now I got to put them on like a collision course with a climax to this faction rather than, you know, having, you know, played them a little and put them back in the background. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's that thing, like people used to always ask, like, when do you know when to let the big bad, like the players try to kill the big bad guy? It's like, well, when they don't want to do anything else. Like they won't take any other plot hook Hook. the only plot hook they want is to go run them down so yes if if all of the players problems stem from this faction fairly quickly the players do some quick math and are like you know if we killed the faction our problems would disappear and then you're on the collision course to uh you're on a collision course at that point that you've got to uh like now you're gonna have to like sacrifice your I was, yeah.
0: I was I was working the other direction I was saying that it's it's kind of the thing where the players might get bored of dealing with the same oh sure. It's it's it's, sure it's 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 the daredevil thing I talk about that you know with the daredevil tv series um it got to the point where I was like oh look the hand again in three series you know um and all of a sudden it's no longer interesting because you've kind of seen them do their thing and you can often if you use the, the faction too often it can become um, repetitive, and you got to mm-hmm. come up with new things. So if you're going to use them, you got to come up with new things with them all the time. Or the players just like, oh look, it's those guys again. You know, yeah. Um, once in a while, you gotta, you know, steal a weather dominator or something like that. So cobra. Hey, listen. Anytime you're dealing with with world with world destructive devices in a hockey game, you're ready to go. So, um, but uh, no, I, I understand that. I think that you don't want them to be the only opposition in the game unless that's really the only function. In a game like G.I. Joe, that might be the thing, you know? Um, I don't know in the cartoon at least when G.I. Joe ever fought anybody but Cobra.
1: Uh yeah, no. And in the um in the comic book, they occasionally um score off against their counterparts, the October Guard. And in the um and in their spin off series, um the special mission series, they actually um they go like fight other terrorists and warlords and And things like that it's actually my concern now that you mentioned that right it's actually my concern about um a gi joe extended campaign is like how much fighting cobra can we do before everybody's just like yeah yeah like another cobra plot kind of thing like Mm -hmm. it's um like i don't know it's my one concern i i don't know if the book i should ask jared jared reviewed it should see if the book addresses like how to deal with that because that is absolutely um, the one note thing, right? Like at some point, because like I, I binge that the entire Marvel comic series, and you like when you read it, you're just like, "Holy shit!" Are, are they, like, is either one of these groups ever going to win? Yeah, <laughs> ever? Like. It's just, it's it's a little much where, you know... Well,
0: well I mean, now that they're all part of the same shared universe in Hasbro. You can have them fight Venom. You can have them fight the Decepticons. That's not uh, making it better for me. Like, that's, <laughs> like that doesn't... I,
1: I don't mix my toys, Jerry. I don't let my food touch, and I
0: don't mix my toys. Oh, uh, so you grew up differently <laughs> than me, because I, I didn't have a complete set of anything. So, uh, I, I, I often... I what you like, got. When I was playing with my action figures, we had, like... Um, like the helicopter pilot from the fisher price adventure people uh princess leia um the the Cylon from from uh Galactica, those were the good guys you know, and uh then you had like you know Vader and Luke and obi-wan and a bunch of stormtroopers were the bad guys along with the the bearded guy from the adventure people set and that that's what we did because i didn't I didn't have a complete set of anything, so uh they were always mixing and matching their adversaries so uh, so, I don't mind combining my, my, I don't mind smooshing my, my peanut butter or my chocolate together. So, uh, different, different game styles.
1: No, <laughs> no, that's fine. That's funny.
0: I appreciate that. Uh, okay. okay. Go ahead. Uh, so, my thing is, I think it's you. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, two things. As a GM, my big thing is don't let the players wipe them out too early. Um, if you've got dedicated players, sometimes they will just, just like you said, focus on that, that faction over and over again and will sometimes, ignore their plots to just keep following up on them and want to go after them over and over again. Um, And it's easy to just have them climb up the ladder too quickly. Um, There are ways to get around that. But when I was younger, that was like, Oh, the players want to do that. We'll have them go after them. And then they wipe them out Um, or at least knock them down enough that I can't use them for the next plot that I want to do. Um, As a GM now, I would just find ways to put other things in their way or figure out things they're interested in. Um, As a player, the problem I sometimes have with factions is if they're if they're not handled correctly, sometimes they lead to the players distrusting the main organization.
1: Oh, this is your uh, this is your Savage yeah. Worlds, so. uh,
0: or, or or other games. I've been in other games like this where I'm not expecting that. I've been in games where there is a faction within the main group, and you're like, well, now we don't trust anybody. And um, if it's not handled right, it just leads to player paranoia. And as a player, it's way too easy to just go, you know what? We're just going to assume that everybody in shield is perking for Hydra. Uh, You know, Um, like until we're told, until we're shown otherwise, we just assume you're one of the bad guys and don't trust your information. And that that gets to be a problem for both the players and the GM, because the GM has to work hard to earn the player's trust back um, or never gets it back ever. Um, And I've played in games where we just, we just never trust our organization again. Um, I've played in games where we've brought where we've torn the organization down because it was easier to it was easier to burn the whole barn down than to find the one little scorpion that's hiding in it kind of thing. Um, and there have been times that we've just said whatever and left, you know, let the organization and the and the faction fight amongst themselves. We've gone off to do something else. Um, yeah. it, it's easy for that to become a problem. So you got to be careful if you're going to have a faction that's involved with the organization the players trust to make sure you always have somebody in that organization that the players can hundred percent trust without, without, without difficulty, or else they're just going to stop trusting anything. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Especially if things happen that you have a rational, you might have a rational reason why something happens, but the players are going to see every failure, every stumbling block, every problem as being something that this other faction got set up. And, you know, gee, you know, something didn't work with our, with our vehicle. And it was actually just the GM rolling in, you know, they roll down the random vehicle mishap table and something happens, but the player's like, aha, we got sabotage. That's why that happened. You know, or something on mm-hmm. that line, especially if something happens behind the screen. So I would say when you're running a faction, make sure that if it's part of an organization, the players trust that they have somebody in that, in that group, that they can trust as well. Um, or they just won't trust the organization at all. Unless that's your goal, which sometimes is your goal. I was um, just
2: going to say, okay. on the flip side of that, if you don't have a completely jaded group, you could yeah. purposely erode their trust in the group, get them to go rogue, and and have that as a, as a a story arc in the campaign. Oh yeah. Where then they go rogue for a while, and somebody comes in and like try, finally gets you know gets them to believe them, and and they find someone that they can trust that slowly brings them back into the fold. That could be an interesting story arc to do.
1: Ah, uh, that's the Mission Impossible. Uh, that's Mission Impossible One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's. I mean, that's that's actually one of the things I love in uh, in in the original Mission Impossible is like, for they they, wait, they wait, wait.
0: the 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 Tom Cruise. I'm Mr. sorry, Impossible the Tom Cruise
1: movie, right? Thank yeah. you. So thank Mission you. Impossible number one. Like that's the thing, right? They get disavowed, and they're like, wait, why are we like, why are you like, how did we get disavowed, right? Because it looks like they got you know they get framed for yeah. the op burned. going bad, only to discover. That um, there's a you know plot twist.
0: What plot twist? With, no I'm, way. I'm still not happy with that plot twist. <laughs> I like the rest of the movies, but that plot twist ticked me off. Uh, <clears throat> that Phelps was Phelps went bad. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it doesn't Boy, align would, with everything else we've. It doesn't align with everything else you've seen from the previous. Too long television series. Oh, I just
1: I didn't even take any of that into account. I was like, whatever. This is. They they have to put their own fresh spin on
2: those kind of. That's like the SWAT movie when they did the same. They have
1: to. They had to in that movie. They had to break from. They had to break from the TV show. So, they you know, Phelps is the breaking point, and Ethan Hunt becomes the you know now the. I think they could have. I think if they would have just like.
0: I think they just would have had Jim B. Like not in the movie at all. Like he passed away and somebody else is running it. Sure, sure. But to but to have the main hero from the first two series turn out to be the villain felt like felt like it was just a, a, a cheap ploy and kind of was their way of kind of almost flipping off the earlier the earlier shows by saying, you know, I don't know, it just it just felt like it was it was not great. I think they could have done mm-hmm. anything else to make that plot twist to, to make the 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 villain be the organization without having to turn jim into a villain because i grew up watching both sure, sure. the 70s show and the 90s show and they were 80s mm-hmm. show and they were both really good and jim was always the one kind of oftentimes sometimes going doing the right thing when the right thing wasn't gonna make the organization happy uh, so it seemed out of character for him i guess is what i'd say so it happens, so.
2: though. Okay.
0: yeah <laughs> thank you phil. i was i was gonna ask that question too phil but go ahead save it. we'll wait we'll wait till we get to the end of the all right in the chat room yeah save it
2: for the after show uh yeah as far as this question goes i'm gonna i'm gonna just nod and agree with you two um like you guys made all great points and and i would probably be thinking similar similar things in, in along those lines so um no need for me to to blather on and expand on that one any farther because i think you guys hate it all so so that should wrap that one up.
1: All right, cool. Um, that's our look at factions as adversaries. It's all in
2: black. So that means it's all yeah, in black, know.
1: Phil. We normally have a way of doing this. I'll do it. We hope the next time you want to use a faction, this advice will help. And we're going to check in one more time with the chat room, and then we're off to the conversation corner. There is like no QA on this like episode tonight. Like, guys yeah, should have been like, why is that all one color? Like, we never do it all one color. That's I always like that
2: a, section is is usually an alternate. Yeah, that's, that's a that's it, an I, always, I'm always I'm the, I'm the thing.
0: I just I just assumed that it was. I'm like, okay, well, normally Phil Phil. Color codes, and we did, yeah. No,
1: should one one should never assume that Phil has ever done anything no. correctly at any time? Like <laughs> okay. Should always right. question why did Phil do oh, that? Oh man,
2: yeah, that's so uh, anyway.
1: No biggie, no biggie,
2: yeah. In the chat room, uh, a uh, very uh, uh, engrossed audience again. Uh, yeah. However, there is a gripping conversation going on about <laughs> uh, where Gator's uh, days of playing He Man and G.I. Joe team ups. So those are those are important factions. to.
1: I mean, I had to ask the question while we were while we were talking was like, did the Joe like, did the Joe's see He-Man at He-Man? Like, all right. So, all right. Let's back up. If you are not, um, if you were not, again, not a kid of the 80s, G.I. Joe figures are like six inch action figures and He-Man's like 12 inch. Right. And like super big and muscular. Right.
0: Like um, six, by the way. What's that? Three and a half and six.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's the. Anyway, there's a, there's a noticeable size difference between these toys. So I had to ask Gator, like, do the Joes see He-Man as bigger? Or do the Joes just think He-Man is like He-Man size? So uh, apparently, they, apparently they didn't have a deep existential discussion on that. So they think that they were pretty much um, all like they all thought
0: they were the same size. I think, again, just like how when the uh, Bob Everson era G.I. Joe came out, he was deliberately bigger than Kendall. I mean, He-Man was made to be bigger than the other action figures of the time. Yeah. You know, because G.I. Joe, Adventure People, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, Space 1999, all of those action figures were all about the same size. They were all three and a half inches, three and three quarter inches, somewhere in that range. Where He-Man was, I think, five and a half to six inches and also Mm -hmm. was like steroided out. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, that was deliberate because the He-Man figures were supposed to be bigger and you know, mightier and I yeah. want to say more manly. He wanted him to look hole. bigger
2: and buffer than the rest of those guys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They were cool looking action figures. Uh, and big and big the little like comic said, books that came with them were awesome. What was that, Bob?
2: So, like you said, when, when I was a kid, G.I. Joe was 12 inches tall. Mm-hmm. All right? And he had fuzzy hair on his head and he had the Kung Fu grip and you know, like all of that crap. And then it was like, you know, they shrank them down <laughs> for the next generation. It's like, wait a minute. So,
1: so I mean, a couple of things, right? From a, toy, from a toy perspective, right? They shrunk them down to the size of Star Wars action figures, right? Because Probably. Kenner was selling those things like they were going out of style. They were making um, a mint, yeah. Right. But in the comic book, that guy, G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. is a character in the comic books. Mm-hmm. They wait a while, but eventually the Joes meet G.I. Joe and he's got the beard and Mm -hmm. everything. And he's, Uh he's like, he's the original, like he's not different size. Obviously, he's just Mm -hmm. human size, but he's working on a government project and he is the, like, he is the original G.I. Joe. So they actually do a crossover where the Joes meet the actual G.I. Joe. And then they actually have like one or two uh, issues with him as a character. I which I not. thought was neat, which I thought was like a neat nod. They like they were like, oh no, no, that guy, no, oh, he was a real thing. Like he was a real yeah. thing before we formed the Joes as a you know uh anti terrorist unit. <laughs> now, slightly like more the... interesting than
2: that to me when I was growing up was mm-hmm. that you had um um Big Jim, right? Sure. Yep. Yeah, Big Jim was bigger than the the Kenner and the and the G.I. Joe action figures of the small era. Um mm-hmm. But he was, like, smaller than, like, Ken and Barbie. Right. But Big Jim had all of the same stuff that Barbie had, just with different color palettes. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he had a Corvette, just like Barbie did. His was black. And you pushed a button in the console, and the hood flipped open to have laser guns, right? He had Mm -hmm. a camper with a campfire, and, like, he had all the same accessories as Barbie, And yet, he was like two thirds the size, so he was like little man syndrome. Like he was your, you know, like your college buddy that was all like,
0: you know, you want to fight about it, you know, like. That that was that was the was the name of the Barbie Dawn, the Dawn doll. My my older sister had those. They were much less expensive than Barbie. They were like two thirds the size. Dawn was the same scale as Big Jim because you sometimes got Big Jim dolls to go with the Dawn dolls, and not all the Dawn dolls had. The Barbie accessories, so you sometimes got the big gym sets to go with the Dawn dolls <laughs> that my my older it sister and then and then my younger sister inherited those from her as well. So, um, so, so the yeah.
1: the trend was in like the sixties into the seventies, really, until those Star Wars figures showed up. And I would love to—I should go look on Toy Galaxy to see more about this. But like bigger figures were like that was always the thing. Like Mego, like all of the Mego figures were like um were like six inch um or taller uh kind of figures because i yeah. had um oh man i had um i had like star trek Mego figures mm-hmm. i had a thor um mm-hmm. spider-man human torch like oh, i had yeah. a whole mess of those yep. migo figures um i had a big gym that I got like on a a tag sale or something. I got big Jim and his camper Mm -hmm. at like some tag sale that somebody had, like I got it for like next to nothing kind of thing. So I had that guy for a while, Mm -hmm. but then like Mm -hmm. towards the end of the seventies the action figure like took a shift. And I don't know if it was just, you know, it's less product, it's smaller packaging, whatever, but like star Wars. And then like um, Jerry said, like the Fisher price, the action guys, like all of a sudden, like all of a sudden and then there was figures for everything like i had Battlestar galactica figures Uh and um you know i had like toy figures for everything and then gi joe showed up and was actually like a um more articulate figure uh their arms bent their legs bent and then they even later improved upon that because series two gi joes had what was called the swivel arm battle grip where the arms could move (laughs) um into and away from their chest but that's what let you hold a gun with two hands yep which wasn't possible with the original figures because they only bent at the elbow so they could only hold a gun no matter what size gun it was in one hand like a lego figure yeah Yeah. so like when they put the swivel arm in you could actually bring the other arm over to like support the barrel kind of thing and then it kind of looked a little more um real Uh, uh jim likes rpgs back from origins by the way um uh Mentioned Planet of the Apes, yeah. That was another big um, I think that yeah. was Migo as well. it was Migo, yeah. Yeah,
0: Migo. I had it well, well a lot of the planet like the the Klingon, I can't remember. I think it was the the Planet of the Apes Gorillas outfits were just the Klingon outfits in a different color. Yes. And the Gorn was just the lizard with a different color. I I, I had spurt Kirk Spock and McCoy and the Klingon. I had Batman Robin Joker. That was about it for Migo. But I remember that all those other ones were, were impressive and fun. I mean, they did, but they did a lot of softball. And Kenner did the same thing when Robin Hood Prince of Thieves came out. Um, the Kevin Coster movie. Um, Kenner got the rights to that. And um, all of the vehicles for it were just redone Ewok vehicles. So like the Robin <laughs> Hood uh, Sherwood Forest playset was literally just the Ewok set with different colors. The Robin Hood... Um, men of Sherwood attack truck was just the, um, the 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 Ewok battering ram and yeah,
1: I don't remember. I, I remember seeing the Kevin Costner movie a couple times. Yes, I don't remember there being a uh, a battering ram truck in the, no,
0: no. In the, no. Yeah, Well, yes, I, mean, I, don't, <laughs> I, also, I also don't remember there we, being we a should Robin. Probe. Probably
2: blow this into the conversation corner we and save the rest of the after show because we're starting yes, to get into the weeds. Yeah, Let's that's fine. This. Go ahead. Good. Ahead. Yep. All right. Let me roll this bad boy over. All right. So my one thing for this week is uh <clears throat> I've been having a hoot with Valheim. I've been watching a bunch of videos on uh on YouTube for um People that are giving tips on like how to how to make better buildings look more aesthetically pleasing, and tips on how to play the game and stuff like that, just to see if there's anything I haven't figured out already or or whatever. And so I've been going around and, and like remodeling parts of our main base that uh, that I share with uh, with Jerry and Chris and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> earlier today, I was fiddling around on a solo instance with some some construction stuff building a, a building and, and seeing what I could do with it and everything. Having a lot of fun with that. So it's uh, it's been a hoot. Um, plus, we're also uh, we're thinking about getting ready for a new instance on the shared server because uh, we're going to be getting Glenn into the fold. Um, Glenn got a new, uh, a new gaming PC. Previously, he only had a laptop that wasn't capable of running it. Uh, and now he wants to try it out. So he's playing a little solo to, to kind of get a feel for it and may jump in with us. So that's going to be cool. Um, looking forward to uh, uh, another, another new face to jump on there and run around with us and smack things with stuff. Um, besides that, we had our Friday D&D game, which was a load of fun. Uh, our NBA game on Sunday was a hoot. Um, looking forward to where that's going. Um, keeping up with Kenobi and looking forward to tomorrow's episode. Um, Strange New Worlds, obviously, is, is, is a big hit for me. Um, The first episode of Ms. Marvel dropped from uh, Marvel and Disney, um, and that was very fun. Um, And something that I didn't um, know—surprise, surprise—somebody on Twitter mentioned this, and I think this is a thing that we we should have. We need a TV guide for streaming services that tells you all the new stuff that's coming out. Hey, another season of this is coming, and like spread the news, you know, (laughs) because sometimes you don't know. That something's out, like Hulu dropped a second season of the Hardy Boys, which I didn't know about. And I really enjoyed the first season. So today I watched the first episode of season two of the Hardy Boys. So so um, if
1: only there was a periodical that took the <laughs> schedules from all of the independent services and put them into one periodical that you could check each week that would tell you what was on, like, what was on streaming. Is that what you're telling me?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are yeah. we
1: about to reinvent the TV guide? Is that what's? I mean, it, it's fine. We're going full circle because we're also <laughs> at the place. Like, wouldn't it be great if there was just one service that you yeah. could pay for that all your streaming services were covered yep. under? Right? Like,
2: we're coming around, baby. <laughs> like,
1: it's oh, we're it's like the crypto guys who just invented money. Like, did yeah. you see the thing where they like they, they've invented like paper yep. money? Yep. Yeah. the crypto note like. like so what if we
2: had this uber but it was like really big and could hold a whole bunch of people and it was in set prescribed routes that it only did yes. Yes. you just invented the fucking boss buddy shut yes. up okay
1: yes so to your point i get your yeah. i get i get it because i also <laughs> got surprised when um when i found out that um um for all mankind, had a, yeah. like dropped its dropped its first episode of the new season. But yes, like I do agree with you that like there does need to be something that kind of keeps an eye on all yeah. my yeah. like like services and lets me know. But also like, it was definitely the fucking TV guide. Like, yeah, <laughs> and there was a crossword puzzle in it. Like just saying, sure, yeah, yeah. Nothing crossword puzzle. <laughs> That's right? Oh, Not me. I hate right. crossword puzzles. I can't spell. They're
0: like fucking torture. I just hate. I just. I just hate them because they made them. Made us do them instead of actually just learning stuff. So.
1: Uh, no, I'm like. I'm like. Oh, I know yeah. the answer for that. I just can't make it fit any of these boxes, oh. and it screws up like six other like other words. Like fuck.
0: No. In the, af- in the after show, I'll talk about word games. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, that's it for me. So, tree, so. My, my one thing is going to be D and D. Chris did a great job as always. He's started us on kind of. We're, we're now just jumping into like phase two of his campaign um, about uh, legacies. And as always, he always likes to have two plots going on at, at least two plots going on at once. And you can't do both at the same time. So you're always making difficult choices um, to see what you're going to do. And whichever plot you choose, the other one's going to advance slowly while you're doing something else. Oh, man, that is, like,
1: like if there is a fucking like if there's a fucking peak sneezak, that's it right there. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna create two uncomfortable, difficult choices of which you can only pick one and the other one will have motherfucking consequences. That is okay. like the one that is he him don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm just teasing yeah. him. But like yeah. don't get me wrong, that is like that is one of his signature moves it is. in GMing.
0: It is. However, the one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't nerf you if you find a way to combine them and, and deal with them at sure. the same time. Um because I've I've been with GMs who do that and they're like ha, 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 you know, if you can find a way to combine things or make allies in one to deal with another, he's more than welcome to let that run its course and do its thing. Um, And we've kind of done that here. We've got a main plot that we have to deal with, and we've got a subplot that's going on, and we've managed to put off one of the plots and let people deal with it so that we can handle the second plot. And that's been a lot of fun because uh, there's a lot of um, political maneuvering and power brokering and uh my character thinking that somebody else is an assassin when they're not and a bunch <laughs> of that kind of stuff which is always fun um i've now determined that they're not an assassin but for all of one game and half of another i was convinced somebody was actually being sneaky and mysterious and they weren't um, <laughs> so everything else nba was a great game where we're having a good time dealing with, with, with conspiracies uh i'm loving kenobi uh every episode of strange new new worlds just makes me happier and happier and happier Miss um, Marvel was amazing. I've only read bits of the original comic, but I'm loving this Miss Marvel. Um, we had some birthday fun. One of our a friend of the show, Sean Gilgore, had his 50th oh, yeah. birthday this weekend, and um, so we took him out to to dinner at a very nice restaurant, and we got to try some amazing new things. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what was in that Viet Cajun sauce, but that stuff was amazing. Yeah, and delicious.
1: I, I I wish we had asked because it was yeah. a um,
0: it was a really good mix of flavor. It was spicy and tangy and smoky without being too hot or too sweet, yeah. which is often the case. Um, and the Valheims. Um, one of the fun things of gaming with Bob in Valheim is that Bob has more time on his hands during the day when I'm not playing. And I play at night sometimes when he's not playing, um, but Bob likes to build and Bob likes to rebuild and Bob likes to experiment with. Ben. Are you saying Bob is a builder? Uh, but the fun <laughs> thing is, I'll like, I'll suddenly come back to the base, and we've got two new rooms and a tower and a circular parapet, and I'm just like, in these games like this, like this in Minecraft, I like to sometimes just go and look at the cool stuff people made. Like, if somebody says, I mean, you remember this from when we had our shared server when Savannah was on. Savannah would build something cool, and we would all just go over and look at it for 10 minutes because she built, you know, uh, a 40 story tall Enderman that it was hollow inside with her base inside of it or whatever. Um, or when Gator built the Gator Dome, you know? Gator and so Dome.
1: when, when Tony almost wiped out the Gator Dome, also with, true with a mathematical, with a nah. near mathematical miscalculation.
0: So when, so when Bob does these things, it's not just, it's not just cool that he makes them and it's, it's cool to just go look at what he does, um, which is part of the fun of the cooperative nature. It's, it's part of why when we're doing stuff, a lot of times work on a project, Bob will lay things out and get things started and I'll just go out and harvest materials for half an hour just keep dropping them off and all of a sudden I come back and what I thought was going to be a you know eight by eight building now has turrets and parapets and three fire pits and uh you know and and I just like I think all that's amazing I'll just sit on the roof and look at stuff for a while so and the fact that we've got Glenn coming in and Glenn is super organized I'm looking forward to seeing how this is all going to work um it does mean we now have to make sure that all of our bases have three beds, not two. So, Which, it, it, which is a structural thing sometimes. So mm-hmm. it'll be fun. So that three was or four. Phil?
1: Yeah. Um, so my one thing, I'm not proud of this, but I am going to plug it here. Uh, I am watching First Kill on Netflix. And I am... All right, quick plot synopsis. It's about two girls. It is about Juliet, the vampire. And Calliope, the vampire hunter. Juliet comes from a family of vampires. Calliope comes from a family of of monster hunters. They meet at school. They fall in love. um, And, of course, all hell breaks loose because of this. Um, It is is, uh, trashy. It is overdramatic. It is queer as fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, It is... Monster hunting, vampires, other types uh, other types of monsters, all that shit. Supernatural teen high school drama. I'm a hundred percent here for every part of it. Five I'm five episodes in. I love this show. I love it. It's is it good? No. Is it enjoyable? <laughs> Very. It it gives me the same feel that Kindred gave me. Like, uh, was Kindred good? No. no. No, but was it enjoyable yes um uh it's great it's unabashedly queer um so i'm very happy with that like it doesn't it's not even it doesn't even it doesn't pull any punches it's great um and the um the tension and relationship between um calliope and uh, juliet is great um so um all of you all of you know all of you queers will be squealing waiting for them to, waiting for them, you know, the will they, won't they. Um, and they do a neat, they kind of do, they have a couple of neat structures. And they actually have a pretty decent mythology. Like I was like, I was actually impressed their mythology for like who the monsters are and where they come from and monster hunters and things like that. And I was like, oh, like somebody actually did a little work on this. This is actually pretty, like, I, I, this is, this is perfectly acceptable for a tv series anyway i'm watching it i fucking love it man i just love it it's so trashy i love it um so if you're into any of those things you should also uh give first kill a watch it's on netflix um i've been playing minecraft i've continued on our season three pack um i am definitely uh i am definitely early middle um mid-game now i have more than enough resources to build what um to build out like my structures the way i want it not enough resources to get to the cool really end game shit but like um starting to work in that direction uh obi-wan's good i'm actually an episode behind i got to catch up um by tomorrow i got to either double up or at least watch the next one strange new worlds chef's kiss man like i got nothing but love for that show like huge like nothing but love it's a treat every week man i like thursdays i look forward i'm like oh it's strange new worlds night like Jump in front of the TV, kind of thing, have not been let down. Like it, I love the one hour format again. I actually forgot how much I love that format. Uh, Ms. Marvel, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> like at first, when I heard they changed the origin of her powers, I was like, mm, really? But then, like I saw it, I'm like, nah, this totally works. This is MCU. Like this all fits in the MCU. And I actually love how they're playing with the storytelling in it by doing, and not to give away spoilers, but it has a very Scott, uh, Scott Pilgrim vibe. It's got some very Scott Pilgrim like things that happen in the background and on the sides and animations and stuff. And I'm 100% here for it. I think it's great. And the actress who plays um, Kamala Khan is amazing. She's great. Hilarious. Yeah. I I love her as, like, I love her. Like, this, once again, MCU casting is off the charts, right? Like, they just crushed it in terms of, um, in terms of casting. And the rest of the family's great too, actually. Um, I read, um, Oh, I think the first couple trade paperbacks of that series, like the families, like the casting on the family's great. Like it's it's good, just good. Anyway, sorry, I can't plug that enough. NBA was solid, really enjoyed that. We finally kind of closed our chapter on Zurich. Um, and it looks like Krakow is our next city. Yeah. Um. So we'll see that soon. Played some, um, did I play Long Live the Queen this weekend? No, I didn't play Long Live the Queen this weekend. Nor did I. Shit, I think I did. <laughs> Senda, did we play long live the queen she'll know i feel like i did Feel like i did i feel like i got back in time for the blur
2: i don't remember
1: but maybe i didn't maybe i'm thinking of the week before anyway that game's fucking great anyway whether i played it or not still great
2: okay
1: cool nope we didn't play it that's what she She said we didn't play it but it was still good anyway
2: (laughs) still good all right
0: okay well that brings Uh, us
2: to the uh to the wrap up the patreon shout outs. Thank you very, very much to Jason Pitt, Gene Lorbeer, Jeff Stevens, Joe Rasso, John, M.T. Black, Mike Olson, Padme's Lover, Robert Dorgan, Ryan Bolter, and Troy Pitchelman. And thanks to everyone for listening tonight.
1: Indeed, indeed. If you're free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, you're welcome. Come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with the other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question.
0: Make the live show, check out our podcast each week, wherever you get your podcasts, and take a listen to some of the other shows of the Spectrum Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bones, Stone, Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Pandas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, John Who Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and the Incredible Back Episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS.
1: Indeed, indeed. Before your faction strikes out to push its agenda forward, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly on the old-fashioned emails at mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on the Twitters, the show, and the network is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander. I'm DNA Phil.
2: If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Panis Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. <clears throat> Jengu Hustle is at patreon.com slash hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Panis Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special
0: releases. This has been a Mister Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Design. Mic drop.
1: We out.